So what you just watched was a snippet of several interviews we did that you can check out on YouTube. You can get the whole thing. We're uh, hearing from lawyers, entrepreneurs like Robert Ramirez right over here to your right and uh, teachers, uh, doctors. And so we'd love for you to participate as we're starting this new series called Don't Waste Your Work. We do not want you to waste your work. We want to help you work in your life. And we believe that God has a lot to do with work. And God is passionate about your work, not just the broken, fragmented areas that are compartmentalized in our life, like church on Sunday or at a group, but all of life in holistic thinking. And I, I think we kind of have a problem in our culture and in our church culture with the concept of work and bringing God into our work and thinking of our lives as holistic and not compartmentalized. And, and I see it even through statistics. Did you know the average American spends 90,000 hours at work over their lifetime, which is about a third of your life? And some of you are going, yeah, I know. Uh, right. I'm working all the time. Did you know the average American spends more than a hundred hours commuting to work every year? Now double that for Houston, right? That, y'all did a hundred hours last week. Some of you, right? Um, Eric Stevens is like, that ain't nothing. You do what? Three hours a day, three hours a day commuting to work. Yeah. Pray for Eric. And he's up here, passionate, Loves Jesus, has a thousand kids. I mean, it's just amazing. I love telling, saying that about you. Did you know 87% of Americans have no passion for their jobs, according to a recent poll? And 80% of U.S. workers are outright dissatisfied with their jobs. Now, if you're going to spend a third of your life working, Hopefully you find something that you're really passionate about and you really enjoy it. But I, I think the problem in a lot of our culture, and again, even church culture, is think about a third of your life. The first third you're going to spend sleeping. Some of you are like, I wish I had more than that. Um, but you will sleep a good amount of your life, roughly seven, eight hours a day. And some of you are more like, give me that 12-hour life. Some of you are like, I'm lucky to have four hours but you're gonna spend a good amount of your time sleeping. Now, if you cut it in thirds, you're gonna spend another big part of your life working. The other third is work. So now sleep and work. And then the last bit, you could kind of barely see it, but really everything else. And you could put, I mean, your finances, you could put uh, your hobbies, your parenting, marriage, and you could put church in there. So even church would get like a little sliver and most of us, our main God time, might, we might pray a little bit or we might go to church and we might go to a group or something like that. And like, that's like God's time. And then the rest of the time, like I've just kind of got to figure it out and it's just part of life. Everybody's working for the weekend, right? And I've just got to make money and kind of go about life. And we compartmentalize our life. And then we're wondering why 87% Americans have no passion for their jobs or 80% are dissatisfied with their jobs when our life is consumed with our work. Now, I know a lot of people in here probably enjoy your job. You're, you're going after your, your career. It's not just a job, it's a vocation, which vocation comes from vocal, a calling in life. I feel a calling for this job. 
But a lot of us probably in this room are just like, I've just, I've got to do this. Or maybe you're a college student or you've had your first job and you're just kind of trying to make some money. It's just about the money at the end of the day and trying to just work. But I think we've missed a lot of times the purpose of work. And if you don't have your why, if you don't have the purpose of something, it's hard to do that thing then with excellence, with passion, with creativity, and ultimately for God. Why? If God is only just when I lift my hands every once in a while, when I pray every once in a while, and that's the only time I've delegated to God. Listen, you are not living the whole life that God has purchased for you. Today, if you don't know, is Resurrection Sunday. Did you know that? Because every day is Resurrection Day. Not just last week. Every day, God wants to renew and restore and bring resurrection life to you and to me. And not just when you enter this building or a small group or get on your knees to pray, but in all of your life. That is such good news. Now, I was talking to my son this week and he has a girl that's a friend, not a girlfriend, a girl that's a friend. And this girl was talking to her dad this week and he was telling me this because they were texting back and forth and she talked to her dad and she told her dad, I feel like I need to make some more space for God in my life and I wanna do that. And her dad replies and tells her, and this is, she's texting to my son and tells her, you don't need to worry about that right now. You're young, right? And, and, and I'm not trying to just diss this guy, but I think that's a lot of people's mentality, right? Like you're young, live your life, like do your thing. You'll get to God. You'll get to like religion another time and maybe, or some people will be like, you don't even want to go that route because it's weird, right? Those church people are super weird. All right, <laughs> all of you be like, thanks. But, but that's a lot of the mentality, right? Like, I'm gonna just put that aside because I'll get religion later or I'll think about that later. Right now, I'm just kind of focused on my life. And this was the advice that a daughter was getting from her dad. And there's a reason because we are broken in this world. We are compartmentalized in our life. And let me tell you, Jesus came to make us whole. And I wanna show you, and hopefully by the end of the day, give you, purpose for your work Monday through Friday. Purpose for a third of your life, being able to give to God because God cares about that aspect of all of your life, not just a small part of your life. This is what a relationship is about. Let's go to the beginning. When was work first established? What would be our worldview of under or understanding of work, Genesis 1? I think everything starts at the beginning. Why work? Where did this work come from? Why is work frustrating? Why do I toil and things just don't work out? What happened in our world? If you've never asked these questions, you haven't gone very deep in life and scripture has a lot to say about it. So let's look at the beginning. Genesis 1 says this, in the beginning. When was that? In the beginning. Well, help me out. In the beginning. That's all you need to know. Is science, like who's right? It's not trying to give you scientific things. It's trying to explain to you purpose, what's happening. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created. He worked. The creator created. Creation is working. The first thing God did is work. 
And there's, there's two types of creation. There's first creation and second creation. First creation always starts here and here in your heart, in your mind, maybe the vision. This is what I want to see. This is where I want to go. Second creation then is actually the manifestation of the material to do it. First creation, God goes, I want to create something. I want to create something good. I want to create life, and I want to create ultimately something that's going to sustain and have a system of goodness to show my glory. So he creates the heavens and the earth. The creator creates. The creator works. The earth was without form and void. We've talked about this a lot. The Hebrew word for this is tovu vavohu, which means a wasteland. And so here's what we think a lot of times. God creates the earth and then there's a garden and everything's just done. But but they kind of split it into certain aspects because they want you to see God creates, but even in this creation, it's not perfect. But there is packed in there a composite of material, and here's the word, potential out of that creation to be very good. It's not perfect because we see it's wild and waste. Tovu vavohu. It's without form and void. There's nothing filling the space. There's nothing there but just the simple creation. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was what? Good. Good. Not perfect. And this is important to understand. God creates a good. This is a moral thing. He says, this is good. Have you ever, I remember the first time I mowed a lawn, and I used to have to, I did it. My dad made me do it, right? Anybody have dads that love you and make you do things? And so I remember the first time I mowed the lawn for money though. Ooh, and that felt good. But even before that, the first time I'm mowing the lawn, I'm, I'm mowing, I'm not doing very good. So my dad had to help me because you got to have like the lines, right? Some of you guys, you know what I'm talking about. Like you want the lines, you want it to look good, nice manicured lawn. You got to edge, you got you to make it look good because there's nothing worse than paying somebody to mow the lawn and it's just trash. It's tovu vavohu, right? It's just <laughs> wild and waste. And it's like, what was that? I'm not paying you, bro, right? And I remember not doing very good at first, but then learning how to do it right. And even though I hated it as a kid and I I wanted to do other things, listen, the end of the work, I could look back and go, man, that's good. Like even that little thing, that was, I appreciate that. I appreciate what what had happened here. Appreciate the lines and, and the other people who are coming. Oh man, you're doing a good job. And there's a sense of joy. I think this is God. Let there be light. Ooh, that's good. I like that. And he continues to make creation. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, next slide, let us make man in our image after our likeness. We are the capital C creator. Let us make little creators that are in our image to do what? Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let me make these people 
And this word men is actually humanity, Adam is humanity, so men and women, and give them dominion over all of the other entities on planet Earth, animals, livestock, everything. They're going to be over them, and they're going to take care. They're going to cultivate the Earth. I'm going to help them, and I'm going to grow them, and I'm going to be with them, and they're going to cultivate my creation. Verse 27, so God created man, humanity, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Genesis 1, 28, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. This word subdue is the Hebrew word kabash, which I love kabash, like subdue, which means to overcome, to quiet, or to bring under control. So God creates the earth and it's good. He's worked and he's done the work. Now he delegates us to now cultivate and take all of the potential out of earth and bring something out of it. Do you understand the, the, the iPhone and Wi-Fi and all of the things that we have today was packed into the earth thousands of years ago. And it took us a while to mine it out because there's so much potential that God in his creativity put into the earth. And he's asking us to cultivate it, to take dominion, bring it out. And I think he delights in it. He loves it. He's like, oh, you have no idea what I put in here. You have no idea the capabilities that you're going to have for communication. And 100 years from now, we're going to go, man, they were primitive back in 2019 compared to what we have now. And we have no idea. But see, God created it and packed it full of potential. And he did the same thing for you when he made you packs you full of creativity and potential for first and second creation in order to work and toil ultimately for the good and glory of God. Genesis 2 says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Now we ask this question, has sin entered the world yet in the timeline? No. So work is not a bad four-letter word. It's in creation to help give us purpose, to help spark and give us joy in our life, ultimately for the glory of our creator. We're made in his image. Every person in here, I don't care what you do, you are a creative. Do you know that? You might say, oh, I'm not a painter. Yeah, but you're, you're killing those spreadsheets, man. You create them in Excel, and oh my gosh, no one can spreadsheet like you. And I just made that a verb. No one can spreadsheet. No one can Excel like you in the other Excel. And that is creation. That is creativity. We get bored when we don't create, when we stop working and we're not acting like our father. And what has happened in our culture, in our life, is the next chapter, Genesis 3, broke down 
where we're selfish and we're we're all over the place, disembodied and have these different sections of our life because of our very brokenness that sin has brought. And God wants to restore back the wholeness, but our selfishness and our selfish desires and our own ways have now corrupted even the very work that we do to the point where all of creation because of sin is corrupted. And God says, listen, now the very work that I gave you that was fun and fruitful is going to be toil and it's going to be hard. This is why you work and you do things and you work, 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 and you're exhausted, 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 exhausted all the time. And it's hard and it's harder than it should be because sin entered the earth. But work wasn't the curse of sin. It was before sin. But now we have toil, but we also have purposeful work. Jesus comes along and he says, I only do what I see my father do. I'm about his business and his business is restoring man to God and man to man and woman and man to himself and man to all of even creation. I'm going to restore it all. I'm going to make a holistic person where you don't divide your life, but everything can be done for the glory of God. And I'm going to come as the pure, perfect vessel to do that and restore that to you. And we say, thank God you're restoring all of the world to you and all of not just my life, so one day I can go to heaven, but my life holistically now. If that's true, if God's purpose for work is to give us joy and ultimately to glorify him, how would that change your week? How does purpose now instruct your how and what you do? My challenge to you are three things. This week, at work, I will, number one. I wanna redefine work in your vocabulary. Again, redefine it back to what is supposed to be a good thing, a God thing, a God glorifying thing, not just drudgery. We've redefined words over the years. Did you know the word myriad? I was reading this this week. Myriad, when we say a myriad of things, we mean like just an uncountable number of things. The word myriad actually means 10,000. 600 years ago in ancient Greece, 10,000. So you're learning something. Do you know the word nice originally meant foolish or silly? Now we're like, nice. It means it's a compliment today. I say it a lot. Do you remember the, the, the word naughty long ago? If you were naughty, you had not or you had nothing. You're naughty. That person, man, they just, they're naughty. Now we're like, they're naughty, right? I mean, it's, it means you're badly behaved, or you're evil or immoral. This one's my favorite that I found. The word fizzle, and this isn't from Snoop. The word fizzle, the word fizzle once referred to the act of producing quiet flatulence. It's awesome. Think like SBD, right? Like silent but deadly. Earl, I love you, but you know, you know. You've, I fizzled, right? That's awesome. American college slang flipped the words meaning to refer to failing at things. <laughs> I guess it's kind of a fail. Um, we, words change meanings because of culture. And, and I think Christians, 
I think believers in Jesus who bring back a holistic life for us should redefine work. And I wish our culture would say, I, I need to hire Christians because they're excellent workers. Because they're creative. They're joyful in what they do, even in the horribly mundane, boring things no one else wants to do. I think Christianity redefines work. I think Christ redefines work and gives us purpose for our work. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a plan. He's prepared it beforehand, a destiny for you. As we sang, my hope is in you. You have this destiny for me. I want to walk in it. And listen, that doesn't just mean we're not just trying to convince you to bring a Bible to your work and put it on your desk so people know you're a Christian. It's not a bad thing, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about looking, just asking, hey, can I pray for you or trying to preach the gospel in your workplace? That, that's great. And if there's an opportunity where you're not gonna get fired or anything, okay, great. Look for that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being the type of individual that does everything for the glory of God because every step of my life is paved and God has a purpose for everything that I'm doing, what I'm going through, the trouble, the heart. Sometimes the trouble is there so I can take dominion over it and take it over. And God's going, good, kill that thing. Sometimes he's going, I'm allowing it because I got to kill something in you. But everything, God's got a purpose and he wants me to walk in it. And he wants me to walk in his glory because I'm created in Christ Jesus for good works. And your job, a third of your life is as important as anything else you're gonna do. That's the testimony of your life, how you work and how you do your job for the glory of God. And I think God is looking and going, oh, is that good? Do you think it's good? Do you think what you did today was good work? Because that's what I want for you. I want you to end the day and go, that was good. It was hard. It was good. I did it for you. I want you to redefine work. I want to have a culture that is cultivated. That's where that word culture comes from, a cultivation of people and Christians that have no problem getting jobs because people are just waiting for excellence, waiting for diligence, waiting for creativity because we serve a creative God. Number two, this week at work, I want you to bring God into your work as a whole person, not a whole person. Whole is a hollow place and a solid body or surface. I want you to be shallow in your life and compartmentalized, but a whole person. How many of you guys are familiar with uh, Marie Kondo? Yeah, Netflix, Marie Kondo. She's a verb in our culture now. I'm totally Marie Kondo the test, right? Like, like, I mean, you see it everywhere because what well, she has this show on Netflix that if you watch, you'll go through all the stages of depression in one hour. Uh, by the end, you're accepting, okay, I'm horrible, I got it. Um, but you'll go through everything because you're going, I'm not anything, I can't do that. But then you feel like, okay, well, if those people can do it, they're crazy, I can do it. And now I wanna do it. One thing she talks a lot about is, is grabbing things and she talks a lot about getting rid of things specifically that don't do what? Spark joy. Look at you guys. 
that don't spark, if it sparks joy, you want to keep it, right? And she's like in the house, like thanking for, you know, all these things, right? Let me tell you, that is an awesome philosophy for tidying up your home. Horrible philosophy to live by. I throw out everything that doesn't spark joy. You're going to be dead tomorrow yourself. Because I don't know about you, but I don't spark joy in myself a lot. My wife, ah, sometimes. My kids, ah. bad philosophy in life. But that's how we live and work. If I'm going, I've got to do, I don't want to do this. I've, I want to do that. I wish I could do just the 10% of my work and not have to do all this. I remember when I moved here and kind of came here, replanted this church. Let me tell you, a lot of people are like, you're a pastor, you don't have a real job. I hate you, okay? That's not true. I shouldn't hate. I bore you. Um, it's not true. So I get here and I'm like, okay, so... Here's the finances. There's no money. Okay, awesome. Will I get paid? I don't know. I wrote my own paychecks. I had a board to make sure I wasn't going crazy, but there wasn't anything to go crazy for. So I wrote myself weekly paychecks. I'm learning QuickBooks. I'm doing counseling. I'm up here leading worship. I'm preaching. I have small groups at my home. We have three kids at home. I'm trying to figure all this out. We created a website. We created an app. We're trying to, I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy. And you know what I really love doing? What I went into ministry for and got educated for was to glorify God by helping people, minister to people. I love people. I love being around people. I'm an extrovert. You give me energy. I love it. And that's what I'm in for. I don't want to sit at the computer and do this. So I'm going to throw all that away and I'm just going to spend time with people. It's not realistic. And if our philosophy is, I'm only going to do what brings me joy, that's the kind of work I'm looking for, then you're going to quit everything. And listen, I think that's a bad philosophy in life. I remember being 17 years old, and God captured my heart at 17 years old. I mean, he changed my life. I'd been religious, and I kind of knew God things and somewhat went to church, but through a lot of brokenness, ended up falling literally desperately in love with God. Thank you so much. The reality of the cross and the resurrection, he was my life. And I was reading this book. It was going around our youth ministry and our church at the time. And I'm reading this book and it's called Practicing the Presence of God. And it's very different than Marie Kondo because it's not whatever sparks joy, but it's finding joy in anything because purpose allows you to do that. And I love what Brother Lawrence says. Let me tell you about Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence was a monk in the 16th century and he used to have to cook and clean in the monastery and do all these things, and he hated it too. So he started writing this journal and talking about practicing the presence of God. And he decided, I'm going to bring God into everything that I do and make everything an act of worship. Because if it's true that Jesus has now opened up the throne room of heaven of grace to me, and I can partake and talk to God and bring him into every part of my life because he cares about every aspect. Because the same God that said, let there be light, also became a carpenter and worked on wood and stone. He cares about every aspect of life. Then I want to bring him into my life. And so he started doing this thing called practicing the presence of God. So he would say, I got to the point after years of this, I wouldn't even pick up a stick without thanking God for that stick. 
and, and he said that the, I would go into the kitchen, I'd be scrubbing dishes, and I would be making that an act of worship. Not waiting until we had our worship time, but making everything an act of worship. And I love this book. Here's what he says. Men invent means and methods of coming at God's love. They learn rules and set up devices to remind them of that love. And it seems like a world of trouble to bring oneself into the consciousness of God's presence. Like, let me set a timer. Oh, yeah, God loves you. Okay, good thing I remember. Oh, okay. Yet it might be so simple. Is it not quicker and easier just to do our common business wholly for the love of him? I give you everything. You gave me everything. I give you everything, God. It's beautiful. My first job at this time, I was reading through this book, and God's just captured my heart. My first job was Blockbuster Video. I think there's still one in Portland, I think. It's awesome. <laughs> and I'm working at Blockbuster, literally first job. The thing I hated the most about this job was having to close. Like I'd go to school all day. I was in high school at the time, right? I'm going to school all day. And then at night, all the closers had to, you know, mop. They had to face straighten out all the VHSs. Yeah, some of you guys don't know what that is. And the DVDs. Um, and uh, I remember when Austin Powers came out on DVD because I saw it so many times because they had a TV right in front of me. And I'm like, this is crazy. You could just skip things. That's how old I am, right? Um, and so... I, I, I'm, having to, I'm having to mop and I'm having to clean up at the end of the night. And you get out like at midnight, you're exhausted and then school. And of course, I'm, I'm 17. And I remember just hating it. I hated closing, didn't want to close, just hated it. And the Lord started talking to me about, do you think I care about that? Do you think I care about how the mop, the floors are mopped? Do you think I care about your attitude as you're doing it? Can you make that worship? And like most 17-year-olds do, that's what I started to do. That was a joke. Um, and it's all God. Because I was a typical 17-year-old, but I thought, okay, if this dude can do it, why can't God have all of my life? I'm not going to wait till I'm 80 to give him everything. Let's try now. And so I started, and it was hard at first. And I started vacuuming and just like, okay, God, I'm doing this like I'm doing it for you and working for you. And all of a sudden I start to whistle and I start to sing and I start to enjoy myself. And I start to volunteer to close, not close, because I loved it. It was an act of worship now all of a sudden. And let me tell you, I didn't have to stand up in front of my employees and go, guys, Jesus loves you. People started coming to me and the Bible says this, you'll be a witness to all men. What does a witness do? Simply answers the questions. Witness on a stand answers questions. People start asking me, what is up with you? The manager started going, why, why are you, like, nobody else wants to close. When they do, they, they halfway do it. It's a nice way of saying it. They halfway do it. And, and it opens doors for me to say, I'm just, I'm not doing this for you. I'm not doing it just for a paycheck or for the weekend. All of my life is to God. And people are like, oh, okay. 
man, they started letting me actually bring a Bible and talk to people about God. I remember debating a Jehovah's Witness for about three hours. We were the slowest blockbuster, which was awesome. <laughs> Practicing the presence of God. Here's a takeaway. When, when God's glory is your purpose in life, every part of your life begins to have purpose. Not just the things that spark joy, but now I can get joy because I know God is watching me. He loves me. And I want to spark joy in Him. And because of Jesus, I do spark joy in Him. Every part of me. He wants. Colossians 3 says this. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. The key is whatever. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord and not for man, not knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Oh, I want to do a good job. I want to say, this is good. What do you think? Oh, good. And finally, this week at work, here's what I want you to do. I want you to thank God for your work and ask for him to bless it. Proverbs 22, 29 says this, do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. The purpose of that, my why instructs my how. I'm doing it for you. I'm going to do it the best I can. Not perfect, but the best I can do. Excellent. Excellence is not perfection. Excellence is doing the most and the best you can with the resources you have available. Time, money, gifting. I love this. James 4, 2, 3 says, you do not have because you do not ask. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. So you could flip this and be like, okay, I'm doing this because I know, man, if I do a really good job, then I'm going to be before kings. So, man, I'm going to do a really good job because I got to get there instead of realizing I'm already before a king that's watching me. And the scripture says, God's the one who gives promotion. And he's looking, be faithful with the little and I'll give you more, man. I promise you, I can't wait. I've packed potential in you. I've packed potential in the earth as a creator. And I want you to pull out that potential in you and in there. And I want you to invite me. You have not because you asked not. Invite me to come and help you. James also says, ask for wisdom. God freely gives you wisdom. Have you ever asked, God, help me make this spreadsheet. Help me create this job. Help me do this work with excellence. I need you, Holy Spirit. This takes a whole new level. Fill me with your spirit, God. Oh, because I want to work with the wind behind me instead of against me. Help me, God. When's the last time you asked? When's the last time? Because you know your creator who works. And you know the purity of a savior who came and worked and died and lived so that you could be whole and work filled with the spirit in all aspects of your life. Will you stand with me? 
And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, we're gonna worship here and close here in a second. Head bowed, eyes closed. I, as I was praying for this message and wanna convey the passion of how much God wants to be a part of all of your life, especially your work. It's really sense, the Lord says there's people, there's definitely people in here that feel hopeless in their work. Most of it is joylessness. And I feel like the Lord said, I want to restore the joy of even in the mundane, because I care about that. Sometimes I think God said, I care more about the little things. The same God that was sweating in the garden in that work also went on a cross for the great work, the big work, the harder work, if you will but all for the glory of God. And I feel like the Lord said, I wanna restore hope and joy in work, bring purpose to work. There's some people in here that are looking for a job and like, I just wish I had something. And I wanna pray for you and ask the Lord just to open the windows of heaven to you as you commit yourself to say, I'm bringing you in to all of my life. If you're here and you're, you feel kind of hopeless at work, you feel like, I, I don't know why I'm doing this, I'm struggling, will you raise your hand so I know who I'm talking to? Thank you, thank you, all over. Thank you. Thank you for your obedience, your boldness. Lord, I pray for these right now that feel hopeless. I feel like their work is just mundane, just going through the motions. Lord, will you restore purpose to them, God? Will you let them see and feel and know, God, that you care about every aspect of their work. You care about everything, Lord. Will you let them make you the boss of their work, make you the Lord of their work, make you the one, the king they're going after. And Lord, bless them as they continue to submit that to you, God. Restore the joy of your salvation and your finished work to their heart, I pray. And if you're in here and you're, you're asking God, Lord, open up a job, I need a job. Lord, I pray for those that need jobs, that you will open up, Lord, their heart as they submit themselves and say, Lord, whatever you want, I'm willing, I'm stepping out, whatever you want, God, Lord, open the doors and order their steps, God. We just pray for that breakthrough in this place. Now let's worship, and by faith and worship, confess our hope in Jesus. Let's sing.